Hello and welcome to the Teacher Talk podcast from Tips for Teaching. In each episode, we, that is Laura and I, are going to invite you to join us as we chat with teachers, educators and others connected with education. So this episode is uh, quite a personal episode because it's an interview with my brother who is a youth worker. Um, and it raised some really interesting things that I wasn't entirely aware of that he did as part of his job. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to play it in a little bit, a few minutes, but um, Laura and I were just going to discuss it first because I conducted the interview over Christmas on my own. Um, and Laura has since listened to it and understood most of it without subtitles. So. <laughs> I did. Yes. So what are your thoughts on it then? <laughs> what, what, what are we going to signpost our listeners to? So from a teacher's perspective, um, I think it was really interesting to find out what is actually happening outside of schools in terms of youth work. I was amazed at actually how much your brother was involved in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not clear as to what... It's made me question should I say, it's made me question what is available here mm. because this is a very different part of the country. Um, and as um, I've been teaching in Oxfordshire for a long time and I've not ever actually met any youth workers or come across or been directly involved, whether that's just because of the role I've had. Mm. <laughs> um, but it would be really interesting for me to find out because it sounds like he plays such an important part in um, the kind of the safeguarding of those mm-hmm. of those individuals well the, one of the things we talk about quite a bit in the interview is that they're a missing piece in the puzzle in in like understanding we talk about the whole child but actually even when we talk about the whole child in school we're forgetting there is a piece of the puzzle and graham talks about the fact that from three thirty in the afternoon till 10 11 o'clock at night that's a huge chunk of the puzzle mm. and the people they're with aren't people that are actively engaged by schools in understanding the child. So there's a massive chunk of time period every day in a child's life, in some of the kids we deal with anyway, and that part is still a blank space to schools. Yeah. But you were amazed, I I was just thinking about the fact that youth work isn't part of schools down here. No, no, it's not. And uh, (laughs) because that that was a real eye-opener, hearing that that actually there were youth workers in your school, Mm. that you grew up, Yep. Having that experience and... And thought it was normal. And Yeah. Yeah, and I assumed that was just the way they did it. No, never, ever did I come across youth, mm. youth workers, certainly in my schools when I was uh, growing up, um, and, and not since. So um, it's, it's amazing how different things are. And, and yet, I think, you know, our kids are facing similar problems oh, yeah, and similar yeah, issues and probably all would benefit as you say, from that missing piece of the puzzle, having that that, yeah. um, that wraparound care. I think there was a couple of... I'm just thinking, I'm looking at my notes and some of the content that we covered in the interview and things that surprised me. One of the big ones that surprised me was the austerity bit and Graham talking about the effect that's had on kids and the not that these kids didn't exist before, but that there's more of them who are just given their money in the morning and told, support yourself for the whole day. And therefore, some of the choices they make about drinks, the drink, and things like that. And we see the impact of that in school, yes. but don't necessarily... Unless we're the safeguarding team in school, we don't necessarily know some of the detail of where that's coming from. Um, and that was a bit of a surprise to me. 
Um, yeah. yeah. It's those energy drinks and those sweets that they pack in instead of making the right choice to... Mm -hmm. because they haven't had the guidance yeah, yeah, exactly. to eat the right foods. So there's quite a bit, and you don't realise, I suppose, the role of a youth worker. You just don't realise what the, the sheer range. I mean, Graham touches on, and I won't give too much away, but he, they touch on things like that, the effect of austerity. Um, he talks about the impact in schools, outside of schools, the hours they work, um, the conversations they have with kids. There's some stuff on sexual health in there where that was a real eye-opener of the conversations they deal with, the expectations kids have. Yes. And then there's a really bit, there's a bit to look out for in there that teachers wouldn't have maybe pick up on themselves, is that the exam stress. So Graham talked a little bit about vocational courses and the, the removal of vocational courses, and particularly with the kids he's dealing with, um, there's an impact there on their stress levels and anxiety. And as a teacher, we might not realise that some of the kids who don't come to us for support aren't accessing revision support elsewhere. And it was really interesting to think that actually when I was a teacher in that town, I probably assumed some kids did no revision at all because they showed no interest in it at school. But as Graham points out in the interview, actually they were accessing revision with him in a youth work setting because really that was where it was comfortable. really positive to hear that. Yeah. Really good to hear that actually. Yeah. Um, which is another reason why I want to go away now and find out is there anything like that mm. around here? And if there is, we need to be directing... Exactly, signposting our kids yeah. to it and get that help outside of school. So we'll not, we'll not talk too much more, so um, we will let you listen to the interview yourselves. It does sound a little... Oh, well, actually, you likened um, the youth work to um, certain TV shows, didn't you? <laughs> a bit Biker Grove. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I forget was, you know, something outside of the north. So we all grew up on Biker Grove, uh, and everybody down south just goes, oh, go on, Biker Grove, see a Biker <laughs> So anyway, we'll let you listen to the interview uh, between me and my brother. And if it does sound like Biker Grove, then you can just enjoy that and appreciate it. <laughs> Hopefully sound will pick us up, yes, sat nice and comfortable, have you got your coffee? I have, yes. Good, so sat nice and comfortable with our coffees, post-Christmas day and in the run-up to New Year. Um, so, Graham, how did you come to be working in youth work? Oh, in all honesty, I kind of fell into it. Um, so, I was um, a little bit of a low achiever when I reached me, uh, me, me AS and A-levels. Um, I didn't achieve what I had wanted to achieve in music, which was my passion at the time, um, at my A-level, so I stayed on an extra year, redid them, and during that kind of final year, I, w I was heavily involved um, in volunteering for a local youth club um, at the time. From there, I, I went off to university, studied music, um, came back and kind of, again, fell into a volunteering role within a um, statutory youth organisation. Um, that led to a, a paid role, which then in turn led to um, me moving out of that role and into um, the voluntary sector, um, where I got to kind of marry my two passions together at the time. So that was obviously my youth work and then opening up a music project um, at a youth club. Um, so that's kind of what kick-started me and, and got me to where I am today, I suppose. So without perhaps naming names or anything like that, how would you describe the youth work you do and where you are, the town you're serving? Um, very varied, in, in all honesty. So um, where I currently am, we, we do a lot, of, um, a lot of different styles of youth work. So we'll do some outreach youth work. Um, we're, we're in rural Northumberland um, for some of the work that we do. Um, we're in some of the, um, 
the local towns for some of the work that we do um, and everywhere has, has big differences they're all very different they all serve so although you're needs. based in one main centre that I'm yeah. on, you because Northumberland being the way yeah, it yeah, is yeah yeah um, so we're actually based across three sites currently at the moment um, and yeah we deliver out of all three um, serving very very different needs and very different age ranges as well um, from those needs okay and well, the question I wanted to ask which we started to go into was how important do you see the role of a youth worker in the specific communities that you're serving um ooh. Depends. So you can you can kind of go off individual cases, or you can go off kind of how you would look at it, the impact that you you have on on the overall community that you're working in. So, again, without naming names, one of the communities we're working in has has struggled, very much struggled for for many years with um, for want of a better word, um, projects that have popped up due to funding and then disappeared, okay. um, because the funding ended, um. And these are projects that children get to work in. Yeah, that projects that young people would work in. Yeah, um, so one of the communities that we serve very much approached us about working in partnership and creating something that hopefully would, would be long lasting. I mean, we've been there six years now, so so we're lasting. Well, we are lasting. Yeah. Um, but very much of at first we worked with the, a lot of the I say older young people, so thirteens and over. Um, and because they'd had such a negative experience, they had such a negative outlook on, on, on youth work, um, they really, really didn't want to engage with the project. So we then said to ourselves, right, let, let's look at this and let's look at younger years who are very much in that, um, in that area. There was still nothing for those. Um, it is quite a rural community, so there's, you know, there's like one community centre and one social area. When you say younger years, what's that to you? So you're talking eight and over. Okay. Um, so eight to 13, right. basically. Um. So we, we kind of moved in moved into this work um and started working with eight years and over with a lot of the uh, a lot of the same issues, um so you know you've got your your social deprivation I mean you're basically working with young people that would finish school, would come home, um get changed and be straight back out because parents weren't home yeah I mean um, or a lot of the time actually wouldn't even go home and would just be yeah. straight out. And would not be going home until eight nine o'clock at night, and you're talking at a young age. I mean, at one point we can probably flag that where you're working was the most socially deprived area in Europe. Yes. At one point. Yeah. Yes. At one um, point. And I mean, I used to teach in this area and was well aware that I could see students I taught through the day still roaming the streets late in the evening in their yes. uniforms. Yeah. So that probably adds to what you're saying about the fact that they didn't even go home. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because of this, they had very very little boundaries. Yeah. Very very little, and parents would would very much struggle to control them. Um, so we focused on this age range, um, and I have to say that it's quite quite a hard thing to prove. Actually, um, you could probably do it through uh, through figures of antisocial behaviour, I suppose. In fact, that is one of the ways the ESB behaviour in the area has gone down, and that is one of the way, one of our ways of being able to prove the impact of projects. Um, but the behaviour now, so we are finally reaching a point where they're now turning thirty. Yeah. Um, and we are having to, as of September, actually. Um, Possibly, actually January, sorry, as of January, um, we're going to be opening up a second youth club in the area, um, which is allowing the older ones back into the project. Um, you can very much see the engagement. It, it is. So is that related to funding, whereby funding says it's for this age range and then after that? Usually it would be. Right. I have to admit, with this funding that we were allowed and we were 
we were working with, um, we we pretty much had quite an open remit because okay. it was more of a we know there's an issue in this area. Can you do a little bit of work in it? Do a bit of research, um, and tell us kind of or identify for us what, what the issues were. So when you said earlier on about the short-term projects that kind of caused the problem, is that because of that kind of funding historically that you had to work with these types of kids that you've targeted and once it's over, it's over? And Yes, yeah, very much so. So it would be So it would be that there's an issue with... Uh, one of the most common ones is there's an issue with antisocial behaviour, um, often flagged up by, you know, your local constabulary. Yeah. Um, let's do a six-month, 12-month project in there, um, Figures go down, project yeah, ends, because figures have gone down, which yeah. is something that in my, the main area we're working at the moment, we've, we've had a lot of success, so um, crime figures have gone down dramatically in the area, um, which then also then has a negative impact um, through funding in the uh, voluntary sector. So is that um, because they think, well, you've done your job, we yeah, don't need to fund it anymore? Very much so. Despite the fact so. that a next generation yeah. will come through yes, and very, kids are evolving all so. the time. Problems are still exactly the same. Um, it's just that, yeah, young people are evolving. Um, but funding a lot of the, a lot of the time um, is quite often gone off the um, indices of deprivation, um, which obviously for the area that we work in is quite high. But then when they look at the crime statistics mm. for that age group that you're wanting to work with, um, doesn't always work. Sometimes can have a ne- negative impact by doing good work. Yeah. But coming back to that sort of how important is it, you touched upon the fact that you've got kids there that... So I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of our listeners are teachers or work in particularly in secondary and primary education. So their view is the impact we have on a child's life is determined by what we do with them between the hours of 8am, say, and 3.30. And then you touched on there that actually you've got kids who leave us at 3.30 and don't even go home whatever relationship they have with their parents or families and so one of the one of the one of the interesting ones for us actually is um it's quite an interesting one because we do we do often hear from young people that you know um they don't enjoy school especially some of them that we work with absolutely you know don't enjoy school um yet when you get to talking about them their school day is their most stable day their monday to friday is their Actually, if they didn't have that routine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite an interesting one for them. Um, one of the biggest things that all, all on the back of that, which is very much a growing problem, is the, that is their one square meal a day. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we um, have that. I know at my school, we have cooked meals, dinners in the middle of the yeah. day. And I have to admit, uh, I know for a fact that if our head teacher notices a child hasn't got anything on their plate, she's over to them. And this is, yeah. high, this is secondary school, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she's making sure... And, and she'll, she'll talk to the canteen and have them tweak something there and then on the spot to make yeah. sure those children have, have yeah. food. Because, and you're right, that's a thing. When I started teaching 10 years ago, I don't think we were as aware of the need for that to be part of our role as it perhaps is. But you're right, the routine. So there's that, there's that thing of, when we come back to the importance of the role, we can see the importance of a teacher's role in providing that routine and that structure from 8 a.m. or 3.30 but then that structure falls away. So it's hugely important that there's another structure to pick up. Yeah, so I mean, we, we often, it's the social side of things in all honesty that, that we work with. And I mean, it is the life skills from there. See, I mean, you do often get there, well, all you're doing is taking young people on a trip. <laughs> um, and you do, you get it all the time. 
Um, or all they're doing is coming in, you know, and then they're leaving hyper than 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 they were when they came in. And I, I love it when people say that because I think, oh, what, what would you like to leave them? Would you, like, rather would you rather be left miserable? Yes. Yeah. Um, Shelley, that is a good thing that they're all leaving with smiles on their face and that they, you know, oh, why are you closing? Well, because we've got homes to go to. Like, come on, let let we leave for the and day. And when, when you say you say when you're closing, what time at night? Just to highlight. Oh yeah, totally. You know, that that can be anywhere between eight to ten o'clock. Yeah. So um, we're, we're talking that huge extra bit of structure oh yeah, to yeah, have yeah, the impact you we have, have. I mean, the main project that I work in has anywhere between kind of 40 to 60 young people um, from, I mean, a lot of them come from straight after school, but you're talking the majority kind of turn up, rock up about four o'clock, which realistically is not long after school. No, it's not really. Um, by the time they've got past the shops. Yeah, the exactly. Room. By the time they've yeah, yeah. got their uh, X amount of energy drinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, one of the social sides of it, it, it or the, the one of the biggest things is the social sides of it and is the interaction and how to interact with other groups of young people. That's one of the biggest things that we work with. Um, how they perceive themselves outside of school when they're, for want of a better word, people class them as they see them in groups and it's a gang of young people. Well, often it's not. It's just a social just group of young people. That's yeah. just a large group. And actually, if you go over and talk to them, they're not going to, yeah. you know, yes, they might actually be wearing a hoodie, but what's wrong with that? Yeah. Um, we do, yeah, we do a lot of work on the social side of things. I mean, we do a lot of work with schools as well. So we, we do, um, or we, we have had projects in the past that have worked on alternate education projects. Um, that is kind of things that we can offer. Um, so again, taking young people out, sometimes just taking them out of the environment and having a bit of a youth worker approach. Um, and which type of child is that? Do you know what I mean? If we're gonna... So you often, yeah, that, that's often the young people that have, um, aren't engaging yeah. with the education system. And I have to admit, the education system now is a lot better for trying to put as many possibilities in place as they can for that young people, for that young person. Um, but sometimes it, it just isn't for them, or actually, sometimes a young person we often find is pushing against that because they know it's actually what they want, but they don't want to admit it's what they want yeah, or what yeah. they need. Um, that's one of the biggest things that we come across, and sometimes doing that little bit more of one-to-one -one with them, which mm. isn't always possible in school because you've got yeah, groups yeah. of, what, 30 young 30 people in a class? In a class yeah. um, isn't possible. So sometimes taking that down to, to you know, one-to-ones or sixes and eights, I mean, we we would never, within the alternate education that we, we offered, um, we never worked with groups over 10 young people, yeah. ever. Um, we didn't do it. Um, it wasn't of benefit to the young people. No. We could have, but it wouldn't have been of benefit to the young people. I mean, we often say, and there's a, there's a meme and things that go around in education that often sort of reminds teachers that the child that's usually making the most noise is actually calling out for the most support. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're fighting against it because they need it more because than the others do. More. Yes, very much so. So, I mean, we offer, or we offer things. We work with young people on um, an awful lot of um, work around sexual health. Yeah, yeah. an awful lot of work around sexual health um, we do a lot of work around um, cooking around meals so around like self-supporting yeah self-supporting we do an awful lot of work um, with young carers oh yeah an yeah, awful yeah. lot of work with young carers a lot of which don't realise they're young carers and they're becoming and not becoming because they've already always they're existed, always existed but they're yes. suddenly becoming more of a priority yeah they are, they are. Actually... so I mean what I have to admit one of the things that um that I'm not keen on um, is the, to somewhat excluding, I suppose excluding is not the word, identifying young carers and then giving them a, their own group to go to. So there's a difference between a right. support group that yeah, is yeah. just young carers, which is quite a big thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
and actually just allowing young people and them knowing themselves and identifying that they're young carers but still being in a support network with their yeah, own friendship group. You would almost imagine um, that actually what they sometimes need is not to be with the people talking about the caring roles they perform but actually yeah, to be interacting in the exactly. wider. And there, there is a big thing in that support, support group but actually sometimes not identifying them and making a deal of it um, is actually the better thing for them because yeah. they know... We, we often will do a lot of signposting or we'll do a lot of work where you'll just you'll end up having a conversation you end up doing one-to-one -one work and that'll be about sexual health for young carers or signposting them into different work areas so signposting we mean so you mean if the, if there is a young carer and you know there's a specific young carers group or there's a specific right, um, pointing them to where to get support yeah exactly if there is a specific you know a lot of what we do is network a yeah. lot of it um i i really disagree with um duplicate projects shall we say youth projects which is something that isn't as bad as it used to be but many many years ago it was a every youth project would just do exactly the same work yeah and it really did hangs within regions yeah we do in exactly region. and it would just be you know going to this youth project they've got funding to do this 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 and this 20 minutes down the road another project's buying for the same yeah. the same amount of money um when actually we believe in if a project's doing something right we haven't got the expertise to do that. Let's signpost a young yeah, person. Yeah, point people towards. There's no need to kind of keep them. Um, yeah. But again, that that is a lot of what we do is funding driven, and it really is. Um, you know, within a school network, yeah. I know obviously that these are depending upon funding. Um, yeah, yeah, funding. Yeah, yeah, funding is statutory for for a lot of it. It's you know, um, for us, a lot of what we do is depending on how many rooms we can fill, what we can yeah. hire out. Um, what funding we can draw in um, and it is getting harder and harder mm. very much so um, so when we've, 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 we've talked a lot about the link between schools and youth work then and the relationship and how actually that there is a connection there for the child perhaps not that teachers and youth workers communicate particularly well um, it'd be nice if they communicated it would, a wouldn't bit it? more but although, and though I haven't said that we could probably touch on that now before we move on to the next bit is the fact that we're talking Northumberland here, mm -hmm. where my understanding is Northumberland is the only, or at least one of the very few counties where youth service was in schools. Yes. So that's how you and I were first introduced that's to it. That's how we were work. first introduced to it, yeah, youth work through schools. Um, so they, they're pretty much in, in all the, the large schools um, in the area, so I suppose secondary now, isn't mm -hmm. it? Um, had youth workers based that were the uh, county-based youth workers, yeah. so they were a county council-funded youth work system um, that were based in the schools and were there, to, to be honest, to provide a lot of the um, pastoral, pastoral yeah. very much, um, which is, I suppose is what you would look at the youth worker role as. It is a little bit more of a pastoral care yeah. Um, but if you think role. when we went in the sixth form, we both went to the same school. Yeah. Where the two youth workers' offices were was right next, right next to the, to the um, sixth form sixth common room. Common room yes. So they had that. They were a massive support mm -hmm. network, particularly for sixth form, but all else. Yeah, all else. Mm. Um, that's something that's obviously again changed with with funding. Um, academies. Yeah. Academies. Well, yes. Um, a lot of the time, it is very very hard for youth workers to even get through the door of a school now. Um, even when we are trying to work with a school f with a young person that we know is having issues mm. um i have to admit that is one of our biggest hurdles now that we quite significantly is is obvious in academies i have to admit um if we are not known um and we try to ring up about a young person um or try to talk about a young person even just to give some advice mm -hmm. or this is what's going on i don't know if you're aware 
um, you're just met with no, not bothered. Yeah. Um, or yeah, we know that. Okay, well, yeah. you know, they're basically with you all day. They're with us pretty much from school yeah, until you know eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Can we do a little bit of work together here? What's going on? Can we help with anything? Um, because. I mean, one of one of the per, one of the pertinent examples of that is um, so around exam time, we have a lot of young people whose levels of anxiety yeah, or yeah, I don't yeah. want to say the word stress, but I suppose it is but to how they respond, how they respond to, to exam yeah. season, yeah. Um, very much changes them as a young person. Yeah. You know, their their mood swings and everything. Yeah. It really does change. Um, so we set up a, a homework group which was simply just young people that were coming in and were doing um, that had access to our computers and things like that they didn't want to there was one in school I have to admit yeah, yeah. but they didn't want to stay in school um, and do that so mm-hmm. they came to us we let them in, into our IT suite um, and they kind of just supported one another and um, with the help of youth worker so we'd sit down with them and go right so what is it what's your exam on yeah. Um you know, right, so what have you been looking at? Can you log into your school system? A lot of the time they'd log into the their CLEs, um, CLEs um, and there was a lot of resources on there. But that was a very, that we only did that this year, and that was quite an interesting one to us of everyone now seems to think that everyone has access to the internet and access to to yes. social, to, um, to computers. Yeah. Actually, computers are dwindling. Yeah. Everyone just has a phone. Yeah. Well, and because of that, yeah. and I have to admit, there's not many VLEs that I've noticed that young people are accessing up here. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we have five different schools, young, young people's worth that come to mm. us. Um, they're not very accessible to their phones. So they do, yeah, so they do need a laptop I, or a computer. I have really that take benefit. parents a lot. Yeah, um, where they say, what shall I get them? I'm thinking of getting an iPad for Christmas. Yeah. And I'll still say, they're fabulous devices, but in all honesty, he's got another six, seven years at school. Um, a and, and a laptop's going to be far yeah, more yeah, productive yeah. for them yeah. because there's so many things won't interact with the tablet device and well, there is, you yeah. just can't say for homework or oh, download this app it's yeah, access yeah. with VLE and therefore open a Word document sometimes or open it and yeah. it just makes life a bit more difficult for them if they've got those devices yeah. but was some of that internet access or yes, was it just no, some of it was actually internet access and that comes back um, to like knowing your community as well and yeah. I think sometimes um, you know in some areas where um local schools have shut down very quickly and academy chains that are actually from outside boroughs have taken over they're perhaps not quite as aware of the community they are serving um as they perhaps need to be yes yeah, yeah i would agree with and that. that's universal that's all yeah, over the country yeah. and that kind yeah. of thing you hear from lots of different schools because so many of the academy chains are spread so widely well they're serving very um, different communities you yeah, know, yeah exactly no, no no community is the same it's impossible no 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 um, town i mean you go yeah, look exactly. at where we are right now you can go yeah. five minutes up the road to a very very different town that has very different kind of children in it um, yeah 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 very okay, so speaking about those very different children, what do you think, when you, we've talked a little bit there, you, we were talking about kind of trying to communicate some of that information with schools about children. You see, like, the other side of the coin for children. So what do you think are some of the things you see about the whole child that the teachers don't see and really could do and know about? I always think when I trained, um, the whole Every Child Matters agenda was, like, massive. I can remember... Um, the, the, the deputy head at the yeah. time, Christine Rowland, giving us lots of talks about the Every Child Matters agenda and the whole child picture and all the services coming together as often as possible to communicate 
which would be lovely if it could realistically happen, and it doesn't, and 10 years later it still doesn't, but you guys, you, you've said you kind of pick these kids up at 3.30, 4pm. What do you think are some of the, or even examples that you can anonymise that are some of the bits of the picture that schools might just never know about? Oh. To be honest, I still think one of the biggest ones is home life. So, yeah. I mean, school schools really do, really do try now. And you, you, yeah, we've said we're getting a lot yeah, better. Yeah, you are getting a lot better. Um, but it is very interesting, especially the parents who, and you probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you disagree with this, but um, parents who don't want to, you often find the young people who come straight from school and stay at the bitter end, parents don't want to communicate with us mm. or communicate with the schools. Yeah. Um, and you very much find that. So I would have thought it's the yeah, ones yeah, that yeah. turn up as early as possible or sometimes as late as possible yeah, at yeah, school. Yeah. Um, or the ones that it's because they're getting themselves up or they've yeah. been looking after little, you know, Jimmy or whatever. Yeah. There's um, a reason breakfast clubs are really important yeah, exactly. in schools. Um, for us, we have a little bit, we see a little bit more into that students because it's a social side of things. Yeah. Um, during your lessons, you spend a lot of time doing the work that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the social side of it, I suppose, is only during the breaks and lunch, which is a lot of the time the students will be out in the yard, so they'll yeah. be in their social groups. Um, whereas we get to sit and interact in those groups yeah. and, and we get to a quite a personal level with some young yeah, people yeah. and you find their stories out and you find out why they're not engaging or why they're not enjoying this, that or not other. Um, sometimes it can be a very simple thing of they can't see the board but they're not willing to show a bit of weakness in front of their friends and ask for yeah. glasses so then yeah. they act up in class because they're bored yeah. Yeah. Um, because they can't see what's going on or they just haven't understood something yeah. um, and, you're, and like you said that kind of understanding that time that to a teacher so the kid acts up and you go through whatever your behaviour process you've is got the, you've got 29 in the room. Room. yeah you've got yeah. 29 of the young people whereas you know. but if you when in your case you sat down with them in a group of others and you have a bit of chat and there's conversation structured mm, that pulls so. out from very the child so. actually well I kind of see the board so I just misbehave I just misbehave yeah and there are some very interesting ones um, I have to admit a lot of the issues that we deal with now um are very much down to food and social size of things. So young people being very, very tired, and then when you, you delve down into it, it's because they're not eating enough or drinking enough when they're at home, because they're not at home. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so young parents will just give them X amount of money on the way out the door, yeah. um, but then not realise that sometimes they're not using that at school, sometimes they're actually just buying 12 energy drinks and that's getting them through a day. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's sides of that, um, obviously the, the sugar content, you're getting a, a short amount of burst of energy, um, not let alone the, the medical side of it and the, you know, the health risk yeah. side of it, but you're getting a short amount of energy and you're then, young people are crashing, yeah. for want of a better yeah, word, yeah, that, you yeah. know, they're crashing and they then feel that they need another one to kind of get them through. Um, and you're right, as a teacher, so as a teacher, we, we I think of certain energy drinks um, and, I th and you think, that's a poor choice on the child's point of view. That why would you even want to put that rubbish in your body anyway? Yeah. And you don't necessarily look much further than actually that child might be managing their own money for the mm -hmm. whole day. Yeah. That's their breakfast, yeah. their dinner and their and tea, tea tonight. Yeah. And their choice was the energy drink because they think energy. Yeah. And so yeah, therefore yeah. that's their, that's their yeah. decision that's in their one decision. Or that, Which yeah. is quite a simple way of looking at it. Yeah. Um 
but to a young person, they still are developing. Yeah, exactly. That um, so actually, that choice is, no matter what anyone says, a young person's choice. In fact, to be honest, even adults are always learning anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But certainly up until the age of, I would say, 16, young people, things are very black and white with mm. young people. Mm. And for want of a better word, young people are very, very stubborn. Um, they really are so if you challenge a young person that's it that teacher's probably taught for a long time of where you are right that teacher oh yes um, I, we, we deal with that all the time <laughs> I, I've got you know t- I've got students who I, I will take out of lessons sometimes and sit and talk to and can ha- and communicate with them like wonderfully and say why won't you behave mm. and it's well such and such they, they told us off and it turns out it's something they said to them in the first week of term and they've just decided they're just no decided. longer like that teacher yeah. anymore. So yeah. it's going to be a difficult, prickly relationship there or yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like I said, we, we very much look, we are very much working with them on their social science skills, their social skills, their life skills, very much their life, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's their yeah. life skills. So it is, like we said, it's their, it's their cooking, it's their preparing them for what comes next. Not just the academic side, but the uh, how do you interact with people? How do you interact with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you choose what is right in a friendship, what's right, what's wrong. Um, yeah, one of our yeah. biggest things, especially um, with um, the sexual health side of things, is um, is young person's access to pornography. Um, yes. And the teenagers, teenagers now are becoming a lot more sexually aware at a lot younger age now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I very much put that down to the access that ease of access to pornography but because of that and because of the way that often women and males are trapped within those areas shall we say um those forms of media that young people are watching is a way that how they then expect to be able to yes. talk to their friends so they have how they expect to be able to talk to their girlfriends yeah yeah um, their expectations they, of things become yeah. extraordinarily skewed because oh, they've oh, got access to it very much so yeah. very yeah. much so um you know, just sometimes the way that they talk to each other and interact to each other, and especially when they're in a relationship, the things that are expected. Yeah. Um, at a young, at an extremely, at an young, extremely age. young age. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of work, a lot of work um, on, on how you interact socially mm. with one another, let alone when you are in a relationship mm. with each other. Um, we do, I mean, I've done cyber safety evenings for parents, and one of the things I try to say to parents is, do you remember some of the rude words, particularly sexual stuff that you heard in the playground and how it was all part of this mysterious other thing called sex that you kind of your your understanding of it evolved as you grew through your teens Teens, from things you eventually saw on television to things your friends told you about their brothers, sisters, oldest cousins, all that mysterious world came together. I said, well, imagine you hear that word for the first time now you go home and Google it. Yes. And your access is suddenly like, oh my God, that's what that is. Yeah, um, so there are words you heard it as a young child in our age when you were younger that you didn't fully understand for another five or six years. Yeah. If you imagine those kids go home now and at the age of, for example, I teach 11-year-olds, they go home because one of the boys in school said this word, they go home and they search for it on the internet. Yeah. And yeah. even worse, the filters on social media are a lot less. Oh, a lot less. So if they've so. got Instagram and Twitter and things like that, they can search for some of those things and yeah. just get access to stuff that, that will just, well, tarnish their perspective of things yes. instantly. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So what do you see? So it's a, as, a, as a way of rounding us off, um, because we could sit here and talk for hours, yeah. um, and we've both nearly finished our coffee, or at least <laughs> I finished mine, yours. Yeah, yeah, only a little bit. Only a little bit. So... Um, what do you think then is 
So we talked a little bit about the Every Child Matters thing. So 10 years ago, they wanted all the schools and all the networks, police, social services, youth work and stuff, to communicate with each other. That was 10 years ago, the whole after Victoria Columbia. Yeah. So what would you say, where do you think we are at now in relation to that? Have we, did, we, did we come close to it and then veer off in a different direction? And then what do you think actually, not what we need as teachers, not what youth workers need, what do you think young children need in that support for them? To be honest, I think one of the one of the key things would be for schools to be able to recognise youth projects. Yeah. Um, you still have a, and it is a very very big issue, especially if you're not a statutory organisation, because you're not. If you're a youth project, often yeah. you're not statutory funded. Yeah. Um, we're certainly not. Um, then a school just won't. I suppose won't see. Won't acknowledge you. Because maybe you haven't hit a standard mark, or sometimes even when you have hit a standard mark and you've got those standards marks, um, sometimes still won't engage with you because I, I can't think of a reason for 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 want of a better. Well, word. you're just an external. Um, yeah, you you're are. You're not you're just part an of their network. There, so you, yeah. When actually the information we can provide and the information that we could share with one another about certain young people and about groups of young people and the social lives of those and moving forward, mm-hmm. um, I think would be fantastic. We did we did get to a very close point with the Every Child Matters, I have to admit, not mm-hmm. through schools communicating openly and organisations communicating openly, but certainly in the points of emergencies yeah, yeah, um, yeah. where you would rally around young people and you would try, you would yeah, try yeah. and find yeah. all those um, ways of, of working together. I still think it would be amazing if there could be some kind of um, universal platform that young people, youth workers, organisations could, again, it would be some kind of standard you'd have to meet mm. um, where you could find out all this information. A bit like, you know, is it Sims that schools use still? Oh, yeah, yeah, so adding um, that kind of information. That kind database. of information and being able to, being able to kind of link into that. Um, even to tag files and update yes, files on particular very, very much children. so I think would be um, absolutely fantastic um, it's a bad and, and there's no reason that that can't happen in today's technology I still yeah. find it amazing that people are so guarded and everyone's using so many different systems yeah. um, yes information and I don't get us wrong information should be guarded and it oh, should yeah, be yeah. it should only be shared when it needs to be shared mm-hmm. that, that there are times and places to share things Um. But for young people moving forward, I genuinely just think they're not they're not gonna have an easy time. Things are only gonna get harder for young yeah. people. Exams are getting more and more. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from the my, focus from on my understanding now, it, it, yeah. I mean, there was quite a heavy focus a number of years ago on coursework, and your exam was yeah. important, but your coursework could count towards a very big percentage. Yeah, I believe it's going back to now. exams yeah. now. Yeah. I can see why young people would get up a height about that. It was yeah, the exams yeah. that let me down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it took a long time for me to get through some of them. Um, so I can see why for some young people that's not going to work and why they are just going to rebel and think, actually, from the very start of term, as soon as someone says to them, well, you're going to have an exam at the end of this year, they're going to go, well, I'm not going to do well, so what's the point in even being here? Yeah. And when I look at like that, you know, when we think about it's part of the puzzle, isn't it? I mean, I know for a fact at, at a, where I work that we have social services communication is really strong. Yeah. As in, there's a, again, there is that, a constant communication there, whether or not it's always that, what we want. That it to is be. your statutory. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like you're saying 
the, the we can think we've got the whole puzzle of a child covered by just going around the statutory area, yeah. but actually, the statutory does not cover the child from three thirty till ten p.m. at night. Not, not at all. On every single child, and there will be some kids that are very yeah. closely monitored, but there's a huge other group of but kids usually to deal when, with. Yeah, but usually when they're being closely monitored, it's often because they've already hit that exactly. point where something's exactly. gone wrong. When actually you thought I could have come yesterday, yeah. that was we they're knew heading that, that way. They're heading we know it. that. Let Let's do something that is um, an alternative means to help them with this. Let Let's fight it beforehand. So what we want to really do is is say to schools. You know, there is an extra part of your puzzle you could be working with and dealing with students a lot very, sooner. Very much so. Find out if I'm in. You'll find out by just listening to your students. Um, that, yeah, that's how, that's how, that's, that is how we got our contract with a, with a local, a local um, educational establishment here. Simply because majority of their students were going, are you going to such and such tonight? Yeah. Um, and then... It was the school that had approached us, yeah. um, which was very nice to hear. Well, you what, to be, say you've got a lot, say of, our got a lot of our students here. And then when we looked at it, yeah, we, well, did, we did, especially yeah. of the ones that you are struggling to work with anyway. And they are choosing to come here in their own time. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that we were doing with them, like the, like the cooking things, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually could easily feed back into the school. Yeah. There are ways and means mm. um, of doing that. Um but sometimes it is, like I said, it's it's very much the social side of things and the, the allowing young people to become young people and not just categorising them and saying yeah. that's where they're going in life, but actually giving them the possibility of what do you want to do? Yeah. Where do you want to go? What experiences would you like? Which um, is what school is about as well. Yeah. So actually we're all really trying we're to get trying the kids to, to the, exactly same the same place. We need to make well, sure that we've yeah. got all the pieces of the puzzle yeah. on the board. Trying to give them as many options as they can to hopefully allow them to make a decision of where they would like to go with their life. Definitely. Um, well, look, we will. Uh, we're both finished our coffees there. We're. Um, we could probably talk for hours. I know. Um, but, probably uh, haven't even answered the questions that you've asked. I think we have. <laughs> I think we have answered most of them. So thank you very much, and uh, we can get on with planning for a new year now. Yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us feedback via your podcast provider. Leaving your feedback via podcast providers like iTunes means we move up the recommendation lists and other educators will find our show recommended to them. Thank you and happy teaching. <laughs>